Hello, sisters. Today we have a question from a listener who wants to know, as a Christian, how do we respond to pronouns when somebody wants you to use a pronoun that is different from the one in which they were born with? And we will answer this tough topic on this episode. I pray this blesses you. If you have a question, just email me and I'll be happy to answer it for you. Hi, family. Welcome to God's Word Transforming Lives. Are you wanting to learn the Bible verse by verse, one letter at a time, with real life application? Then this podcast is for you. My name is Amy, and I have been teaching the Word of God to women for over 15 years now. I came out of some trauma from my childhood, and it left me feeling so empty. And after searching high and low with everything the world had to offer, I always came up short until I learned the Word of God for myself. And it was in that that I became transformed. So if you would like to be transformed by God's Word, then stick around and let's do this together. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another. They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning his word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. Hello again. Today we have a listener question and the question is, I recently started serving in a ministry. The ministry leaders have required me to use people's preferred pronouns in order to continue serving in the ministry. What should I do as a Christian? That's a really good question. And I think a lot of us are facing this particular cultural issue in our ministries, in our families, in our workplace. As Christians, you know, this has become a much larger issue. We have 1.6% adults that are now identifying as the opposite gender or of a different gender than the one that they were born with. We have uh, 5% of young adults that are now identifying as a gender different than the one that they were born with. Now, we are up to 107 different genders as of 2023. So it has jumped considerably. I think in 2020, we were in the 70s, 76 or something. But now we are at 107 different genders that you can now identify as. And so this is becoming uh, a huge topic for born-again believers. How are we as Christians to respond to these people that want us to call them by their preferred pronouns and come into agreement with how they are identifying themselves versus how they were born. Well, we have to go to scripture just with all, like with all things, the Bible is our final authority, not the culture, not our pastor, not leaders, but the word of God has to be our final authority in this area. In Isaiah 5, verse 20, it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who but who put bitter for sweet 
and sweet for bitter. We have to be really careful as Christians. We are, we are truth bearers. We are light bearers. We are the salt of the earth. We were left here to represent Christ and his kingdom, to be able to present the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the whole counsel of God, all of the truth. Now we do this obviously in love. It says in 1 Peter 3, 5, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that lies in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. See, here's the thing. In today's culture, we're being told that in order to respect somebody, that means we must endorse their false ideas or their truth, or I have to come into an agreement with what I firmly believe is a lie in order to respect you. And that's not true. I can respect you as a person. I can respect where you're at in your life and I I can love you. But that doesn't mean I have to compromise my truth or compromise my beliefs in order to respect you. Just like you don't have to compromise your beliefs in order to respect me. I believe that God has made male and female in the likeness of his own image. He declares that in Genesis. He didn't make 107 different genders. He made two, male and female. And we can see this scientifically through every aspect of our biology. Every cell in your body declares whether or not you are male or female. Now, I understand that this is this body dysmorphia and what they're going through is painful and it's hard and they're confused and And now they have people validating that if they just do all these surgeries and take all these hormones and do all these things, that somehow they're just going to feel better. They're going to be better. But we know statistically that's not true. The 5% of the young adults that identify as uh, a different gender than what they were born with today, 80 to 90% of them are going to change their mind in the coming years. That's the statistics. 80 to 90% end up changing their mind because for whatever reason, they're going through something emotionally right now. They're, they're, they're coming to agreement with something that seems cool or, or maybe they really do just see themselves so differently in the mirror, but no matter how many surgeries they have, no matter how many hormones they take, they're taking on a whole other host of issues and problems because they're not dealing with the core issue of the fact that they don't know who they are in Christ. And me being a light bearer, me being a Christian, somebody who has been given the truth of the gospel, the, the word says in 1 Corinthians that I am, to, I am to love and obey righteousness. I don't come into agreement with things that are not true. Love rejoices. It rejoices in things that are true. And the truth is how God assigns somebody at birth is what they are. Now, they may not believe that. They may not believe in God. They may not believe in the, in, in the Bible, but I do. And so I have to come with my biblical worldview. It says, because it says, it says in, in Peter, it, when Peter was giving the gospel in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, he says, Peter and the apostles answered this, 
We must obey God rather than man. I have to stand on sola scriptura. I have to stand on the word of God. That may cost me my ministry. It may cost me my livelihood. It may cost me everything. But Jesus told me that following him would cost me everything. That I, to be his disciple, I must be willing to lose it all. My ministry does not, I, does not define me. My ministry is not my God. The fact that I have, whether it's a podcast or an outreach center or a food pantry or homeless camps, whatever it is, that does not define me. That's not my God. My God is my God. And so I have to be true to him and his word and what I firmly believe. I can't come into re- to agreement with rebellion against God. That's like an adulterer coming to me and saying, hey, uh, you you say that I'm committing adultery, but I'm married because I'm married and I'm having sex with all these other women, but I don't identify myself as an adulterer. I identify myself as somebody who has a lot of love to give to a lot of women. Okay, well, the Bible still identifies you as an adulterer and I can't come into agreement with your rebellion. That doesn't mean I don't love you. Doesn't mean I don't respect you. It just means I have to come into agreement with the truth of God's word. If I come to somebody and say, hey, I know I'm 48 years old, but I really identify as a 16-year-old. And so I need you to affirm that I'm 16. I need you to card me. I need you to let me go back into high school and be integrated with the high schoolers. I need you to let me um, date a 16-year-old. I can identify as all kinds of things, but a lie is still a lie and the truth is still the truth. And so as a Christian, I'm not doing anybody any favors by coming into agreement with something that could cost them their their eternal damnation. Now we're to be, uh, we're to have mercy on those who doubt. So if they doubt my God, they doubt my scriptures, I'm to have mercy on them according to Jude 22, Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you live peaceably with all. I don't, we don't want to go out and become offensive to everybody. We're not trying to argue. We must have a meekness and a humility about us. And so here's the deal. Someone comes to me and says, Hey, I I'm, I'm in the, I'm transitioning. I, I was born a female, but I'm going to become a man. And I need you to say him and he, and whatever other pronouns, or I need you to use these other types of pronouns other than what I, I was assigned at birth. What I can say is this, I love you. I love you. And I respect that you're going through something really painful right now and that you're struggling with your identity and you're struggling with something that's going on inside of you inter- internally that I don't understand. And I, I can't pretend to understand it, but I want to recognize that you have probably went through a lot in your life. You're, you've probably had a lot of persecution. You've probably been bullied and people have not tried to understand. And I just, I want to, I want to recognize that. And I don't know that you're going to want to have a relationship with me after I express to you where I'm coming from. But I want you to know that I love you too much to to lie to you. I love you too much to tell you that there's, to not tell you that there's a better way. That God did not make a mistake when he made you 
male or female, whatever that was, that he knew what he was doing. He formed you in your mother's womb and that he made you with a purpose and that you are an image bearer of God himself. And that though the enemy has come and he is lying and he is confusing you and he is bringing pain into your life. And I don't know everything that you've gone through. I want you to know there's a better way. There's a God who loves you, who died for your sins, who wants to make you whole. And that void you're trying to fill will only be filled by the God who designed you. And I would take this time to present the glorious gospel and show them the love of Jesus. And again, put it back on me. I love you. And I respect if you cannot accept that I have a biblical worldview and that I am a Christ follower. And as a Christ follower, these are my beliefs. I pray that you can respect my beliefs as a Christian with a biblical worldview. And I want to be here for you. I want to help you sort this out if you'll allow me to. Understanding I'm not going to change my position because my position is based on something outside of myself. It's based on the word of God. And see, when we come at people with love, when they can understand that I can't come into agreement with a rebellion against God, with a lie, no matter how much pain you're in, I can't come into agreement with these things. But I want you to know, I love you. I respect you. I value you as a, as a, as a person who is made in the image of God. I'm willing to sit down and, and labor in, with the scriptures with you. And I'm willing to love you and, and, and try to help you sort it out if you allow me. Now, most of the time they're, they're not going to allow you. They're going to be very offended. You didn't come into agreement. You're, you know, you're, you must be transphobic. You must be all these things, but we can try to show them that we're not going to compromise the truth. I'm still going to love you because I'm here to give the truth in love. That's what Jesus did. He didn't tell the woman who committed adultery. Oh, you're not an adulterer. You're fine. He said, no, I forgive you, but go and sin no more right? When he met Paul on the road to Damascus, he forgave him for being a murderer and for being, you know, his past. But he said, you know, don't go and murder anymore. We don't, I mean, he doesn't say that in the scriptures, but that's much presumed, right? I love you enough to tell you the truth in love, with compassion, understanding that they're still under their sin and their sin nature and being ruled by it, just like we were at one time. And someone needed to come alongside of us with truth, with truth, grace and mercy, humility and meekness, that we too could hear the gospel and be born again. We don't know who God is saving, but let us not compromise the word of God for the culture. Let us not compromise the truth and call that love. That's not love. Coming to agreement with evil, calling what's evil good is not love. We have to love God first with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And loving God means loving his word loving his design, loving his purposes. And then the greatest love I can offer my neighbor is loving them in truth and action with meekness, humility, and compassion. So if it's going to cost you your ministry, sister, if you're not going to be allowed to serve in that particular ministry under that leadership, one, praise God, get out from underneath that. Two, we're going to lose things. I mean, Jesus told us in John that he told the disciples, even the synagogues, they're going to kick you out of the synagogues and they're going to kill you and they're going to do it in the name of God. That's what's coming to us, dear Christians. The people who profess Christ are going to kill us in the name of God and think that they're, do they're, they're going to be really sincere about it because they're unfortunately very 
less than 9% of professing Christians have a biblical worldview. They say they have a biblical worldview, but when it gets down to it, they really don't. So I just encourage you to go back to leadership, bring forth scripture, express why you believe that you cannot come into agreement with pronouns. Let the leadership know you love them, you respect them, but you cannot submit to them over God and his word. And maybe that'll change their mind too. You never know. Maybe you're the one that's going to bring the truth to leadership. I praise God for you. Lord, I just come and I ask, Lord, that you just touch each and every person that's going to hear this video or on this podcast. Lord, we are up against really hard times right now, as you see. We're being persecuted on all sides. And though it's not costing us our physical life yet, it is costing us friends and family. It's costing us ministry opportunities. It's causing us airtime. It's costing us all kinds of things. But nothing is greater than suffering for Christ and being persecuted for you. And we are not greater than our master. And so we know that you warned us this was going to happen. I pray for all of my persecuted brothers and sisters around all of the world, because many are losing their physical life. They're losing families. They're losing children. They're in prison. They're being beaten and whipped and starved. And so I just pray for you just to strengthen your bride in these dark hours and awaken us to be willing to wield the sword of truth, which is the word of God, but to do it in love without trying to be offensive and not trying to argue and debate. If it gets argumentative and debated, debating situation, Lord, help us to retreat and which can retract in love and humility. We don't have to be right fighters. Your word is what's right. Let the word speak for itself. Thank you, Lord. All of the listeners touch each and everyone. Bless them today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget, guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace, I leave with you until next time.